Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. But we're really glad to be back here with you guys. And for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. How we do that is we help them know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. Amen? Y'all didn't forget that, did you? It's gone for one week. You know, one of my favorite things about being lead pastor is being able to encourage other people in their gifts, like what you saw Amy and all the other speakers that we've had over the past month. It's really cool just to see them get up here and thrive. I'm not the only one that can deliver the Word of God. We have so many people who are well-equipped to deliver the Word of God in this church, and that's quite amazing for the size of our church that so many people can get up here and deliver the Word with such confidence, with such boldness. It's absolutely incredible. Speaking of, I'm not the one delivering the message today because there's no telling what would come out with the sleep deprivation that's on me right now from having a newborn. So I, I decided I better be smart and schedule some more people. We have our small groups director giving us the Word today, Chris Wills. Y'all, this guy... Yeah, come on up, man. He's such a blessing to our church. If you love small groups, he's the one that makes all of it happen. It's not me, it's him. So you ought to give him a pat on the back for that. But I'm excited for your word today, man. Awesome. Well, thank you, Cade, for that outstanding introduction. (laughs) Well, who else is excited to be here today? That's what I'm asking. Yes, that's most of us. That's good. (laughs) Rest of you will fall in the line, okay? We're good. Well, uh... (laughs) Today I have a very, you know what, real quick though, I'm the small groups director, so I'm going to make a small group shout out. If anyone is watching online, we do have an online small group just for you. So don't feel like you're left out. If you can't make it to church or maybe you're watching from another state or even another country, there is an online small group for you. So do not, don't think you're left out. Go sign up for a small group. Amen. (laughs) Well, today I have a very simple message to give you. But it is going to be good, amen? So don't, when I tell you the title, don't immediately space out on me and say, oh, I know this. We're good, okay? I'm telling you, we need it. Because today we are going to be talking about falling in love with Jesus, okay? Not new, but it has been on my heart this whole year, which is not only a month, but anyway, (laughs) it's been on my heart all year so far. (laughs) It is always, it's always important to refocus on this, okay, because it is our central focus of our Christian walk anyway. So falling in love with Jesus, and particularly his word. And the best way I can show you how to do this is, well, using a lot of his word. So there's going to be a lot of scripture today, so can I get an amen for that? Yes. His word is good. And this was a confirmation, uh, because I don't know if you all remember, but two Sundays ago, Pastor Kate had said, God had told him to uh, teach his people how to fall in love with his word this year. And I'd already like made a bunch of notes for this, uh, this sermon. And so it was just a confirmation, like, yeah, this is definitely what we need. Because it just seems like, well, people have this down. But I think God's trying to tell us, like, I want to take you guys deeper. Right? So as Cade had mentioned uh, that Sunday, he had mentioned John 17. So I thought, that's an excellent place to start. So we're going to be reading through parts of John 17, but again, like always, just go read the whole thing, because it's amazing. The Word of God is awesome. So this is right before Jesus was crucified, and he was praying to the Father on our behalf. How amazing is that? Jesus was praying for us. And this is what he says. This is John 17, 13 through 22. 
But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled, uh, fulfilled in themselves. But I have given them your word, and the word world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Make this big real quick here. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen, we know that. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also those who believe in me through their word. That's us. Amen. He prayed for us. That's so awesome. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Mm. All that is awesome. And his word, which we just read, we know is absolute truth. Okay? So just from reading this one set of scripture, we know that we are sent out into the world. We know that we're supposed to be one with God. And we know that we're supposed to be united as a church, right? All of us are supposed to be on the same page. And that, and how we get there is by reading the word daily, individually, because we will get on that same page. The Holy Spirit will speak to us, right? So one of the main takeaways from this is God's word is absolute truth. And in order to fall in love with Jesus or strengthen your current relationship with Jesus, you have to have this. Like, you have to know that the word is absolute truth. You can't question it, okay? So that's where we're at. God's word is absolute truth. And here's another scripture just to prove that. This is John uh, 1, 1. And it's, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Then if we skip down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Is that not amazing? Because I don't think we understand the magnitude of this statement. Not only is the Bible absolute truth, it is Jesus. I mean, He is the Word. And then the Word became flesh, which I love that. That's awesome, too, because that's how Jesus came into the world. When Gabriel was telling... uh, Mary, how she was going to conceive through the Holy Spirit, she said, let it be done according to your word. That's how he entered into the world. Man, that's awesome. So the word is powerful. And we have uh, been sort of desensitized to the word in America because we have multiple Bibles and multiple translations laying around our houses. It's in our pocket right here on our phones. But how often do we actually read that word? But yeah, it's always with us. You know, we'll cry out to God for an answer to a problem we're having. And we'll ask God for a word when we feel stuck or confused. <laughs> and he says, I have a whole book of words for you. You know, have you read, have you read my word? Do you, do you want to know me? Do you want to know my will for you? Because it is in the word. It is life. Amen. So I know some of you might be thinking, yeah, well, that doesn't specifically answer the question that I have. <laughs> do I buy that house? Do I marry that person? Do I quit my job? Or maybe do I start that business? But I'm going to tell you right now, it does have all those answers in there. 
Because when you are grounded in the word, it is alive. It is a relationship with God. Amen. And I actually kind of have some firsthand experience with this. Because <laughs> I know I know a lot of you already know my testimony, but I'll go ahead and tell you again. You know, I've believed in God basically my whole life. I can remember being born again when I was like six. That's about the only memory that God preserved for me in that little Baptist church in Rolling Hills. Like, I can just remember asking him into my heart. It's just stuck with me. But we probably quit going to church about the time I was eight. And so... Just fell away from, I didn't really didn't live for him. But he would always put it on my heart to read his word. Like uh, probably like around, I don't know, middle to high school. He would put that on my heart. And I would start reading. Of course, I would start in Genesis. I'd read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's where I would quit. <laughs> because it's rough, you know. So I did that a few times. And then uh, as maybe you know, I was in the military. It was my third deployment in Iraq. Uh, God put it on my heart to read his word again. And I was in a safe place. It's not like I was just thought I was going to die. So I was like, man, I better get right with God. It was just that the same thing he'd done before. He just said, hey, you need to read my word. And fortunately, there was somebody there that told me to start in the New Testament. <laughs> and I was like, cool. So that's what I'll do. And man, it began to change my life. So at this point, like I just, I fell in love with the word. Like I had earbuds in. I was listening to it all the time. I'd fall asleep with it in. When I would get uh, to where I was, my room I was staying in, I would, uh, I would read it every day. And at this point, I still wasn't going to church. But I also didn't have like years of teaching to undo. It was just me and the word, right? And the Holy Spirit began to reveal truths to me. And I began to change. Not because of shame or guilt, and I was like, oh man, God's mad at me. It, I literally just wanted to change. And that's what happens when you fall in love with Jesus, because the Word tells us that He gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And His desire is for you, for that sin to fall off of you. So He'll give you that desire. He'll give you the desire for that to come off of you, then He'll give you the power to do it. But we have to get into the Word and know Him through the Word. So when I was doing this, one of the first scriptures that stuck out to me was Matthew 6, 33. And that is, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, all these things was speaking of earthly things, you know, like, like food, water, drink, clothes, where we're going to stay, where we're going to live. This is saying if we seek him first, then all these will be added to you. You don't even have to worry about it because they'll just supernaturally come. So that's easy to say, right? But how many times do we put God on the back burner and I'm not even saying that we completely ignore him or that we're not even acknowledging him in our daily lives. I'm asking you, okay, I'm not asking for a show of hands, so don't have to throw them up. But who can honestly say they put God first in everything that they do? Because I bet if we're being honest, it would be no one in here because I'm talking about everything. So I just want to take just like 10 seconds real quick. Let's all just close our eyes. And in these next few moments, I want you to think about your relationship with God who he is to you, and are you putting him first in everything? Are you truly in love with him? So let's take like 10 seconds. Awesome. So now that we've done that quick self-check, I know, I know that none of us have reached perfection, but honestly, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. <laughs> you know, because uh, I believe too many of us have settled because we're too comfortable where we are. 
So if this is you, I'm telling you, God is calling you deeper. He is calling you to a more intimate relationship. I don't care how intimate you think you are. He wants a more intimate relationship with you. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm. And then all these things will be added, added unto you. You know, that is a byproduct of living in his presence. And what is even funny is if you live in that presence, you're not even really going to care about those earthly things anyway. Because the real blessing is living in his presence. It's having that eternal life in him. So do you know that eternal life isn't even just living forever? Everybody's going to live forever. Whether you're going to heaven or you're going to hell, you're going to live forever. Eternal life isn't even about just walking and blessing here on earth or in heaven. Eternal life is knowing God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, having that intimate relationship with Him. The main point of salvation wasn't even just to have our sins forgiven. Our sins were just a blockade between us and a personal relationship with God. So Jesus died to restore that relationship. I mean, of course He paid for our sins, but the reason just wasn't so we wouldn't go to hell. It was to so that we have eternal life, which is knowing God personally. Let's look back in John 17. John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this is eternal life, a personal relationship with the Father. So we can form this relationship but through prayer and reading the Word. In fact, the word is mentioned as food for us, right? For man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, it's all over the place. We'll read in John 6, 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Again, Jesus references all over the New Testament. So let's take another look at the instance of the woman at the well. And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, these last two scriptures I just read speak about never being hungry or thirsty again. Yeah, how many Christians always say they're hungry or they're thirsty for God? Now, I do believe we should be passionate for God, but there's a difference there. Because if we hunger or we thirst, it implies we do not have enough. We are not satisfied. And I'm telling you, Jesus is enough. Mm. So when Jesus said, when we come to him, we will never hunger or thirst again. So just imagine what you have on the inside of you. It's a fountain that springs up into everlasting life. It's overflowing. It's never ending. And it's right here on the inside of you. So I also want you to notice that this fountain is everlasting life, which means it is that relationship with Jesus and the Father, right? So isn't this awesome? So if we feel like we hunger for God, then it's not in our spirit, because when we're born again, we have that fountain that's on the inside of us that's never ending. Probably looks like that at Niagara Falls, just on the inside of us. (laughs) The problem is uh, we feel this way when we are not walking in the spirit, because we are not drawing from that well that is on the inside of us. Okay, This comes from a lack of relationship with God and an abundance of relationship with the world. So when we spend more time in the world than in the Word, it begins to shape the way we think in a negative way. Mm. <laughs> that is why the world tells us to change the way we think by the renewing of our mind. 
Well, the same is true if you're in the world. You're changing the way you think, but it isn't a godly renewal of your mind. Like Ephesians says, Ephesians 4, 14 through 15, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So remember what we talked about earlier, Christ is the head and we are the body. Amen. So when we are in the world, we'll begin to think things contrary to the word. Even crazy things, like, I mean, there's crazy things going on now, like gender is fluid, or somehow abortion is a good thing. Uh, but that's, that you'll begin to think these things when you're not in the Word. Our own Congress actually is getting ready to ban gender terms, like in their written rules, like in the rules on their, for written paper, so you can't use stuff like mother, father, son, daughter. Like, they're getting rid of that. Uh, which, I don't know, it's just weird to me. It's like, how is that not? But if you notice, this last verse tells us to speak truth in love. And this is how we grow into Christ, who is our head. So we don't bow down and say, well, I guess if it offends you, I'll quit using these mother-father terms. So (laughs) we are called to speak in love, though, which a lot of people, this is where they miss it. They miss the love part. So we are called to be bold, but called to act in love. And that's the problem is that we generally see as people because bold people typically aren't operating in love. They're just, they want to tell you what they think, and that's the way it is. And then the people who claim that they're operating in love generally just roll over like a doormat and just say, you know, because they're passive. They don't want the confrontation. Uh, and there is a good middle <laughs> middle there. And that is operating truth and grace, right? I've heard that before. So as we see, there are so many vital reasons why we need to read the word daily. Number one reason is that we are communing with God and learning who God is. So we're spending that time with God to form that personal, intimate relationship. Another reason is we'll have all of our needs met. Seek first the kingdom, right? So when we seek his kingdom first, all of our earthly needs are supernaturally taken care of. And this actually helps the way you think, too, because you're not spending all your time worried about all these earthly things. So it frees up your, you're not stressed out and you're not worried. You're good to go. And then uh, it also helps us to renew our minds so that we will not be tossed to and fro in the world's doctrine. So this is the way we change the way that we think, okay, in order to align our thoughts with God's thoughts. But we know the most important of these reasons is to know God, to know Jesus. Since the Word is God and it is likened to food, we should be digesting it daily. Hmm. I know we hear that all the time. But it is true. We need it daily. And this is how we draw from that well that's on the inside of us, that fountain welling up on the inside of us. Because if you wait till you're starving or you're, or you're dying of thirst, and then there's a storm or there's a battle that you have to take care of, I mean, what are, you, are you going to take a drink of water and go fight? I mean, you're not going to be prepared. You're not going to be ready. You cannot get ready that quickly, okay? So if we think, I mean, we know we need daily food and water daily. We know we need that, but... Why do we think that's any different for spiritual food? So let's read another story about Jesus where he's talking about how he is the bread of life. This one's a little longer, but it it teaches us a lot. So this is Jesus, and he's actually teaching the Jews. This is John 6, 51 through 67. And Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. 
And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? You notice how Jesus' words confuse people. They thought he was talking about cannibalism, okay? They're like, this guy wants us to eat him? What's he even talking about? How can he even do that? Let's see how Jesus answered him. You think Jesus tried to convince him of, of what he was trying to say? He broke it down maybe a little for him or just maybe just moved on? Let's see what Jesus did. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. My flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. For he, for he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which I came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So he was in the synagogue. He's teaching the Jews. These people should know the word, for one. They should know the Old Testament, right? So instead of Jesus trying to explain himself, he instead just takes it up a notch. He's like, you know what? You got to drink my blood, too. (laughs) He didn't care, you know? And this is absolutely contrary to the way a a lot of pastors teach because they don't they don't want to offend people, you know? And that's what I love about Pastor Kate. He speaks the truth in love. He truly does. And, uh, but he wasn't looking to appease people. So we need to live the same way. We need to live before an audience of one, right? We live to please God and God alone, not what man. We don't care what man thinks. We care what, what God thinks. We live before Jesus. Because Jesus, this is what's interesting. Jesus could have even pointed them to Scripture. Because this was all prophesied in Isaiah 55.1. It talks about Jesus satisfying our hunger and our thirst. Jesus could have been like, well, you know what? This was all prophesied by the prophet Isaiah, so this is what I'm saying. But he didn't. He didn't, he, he didn't try to even convince them with Scripture. Because they were, for one, again, they were Jews. They should have known the Scripture. But he didn't do any of that. And then, moving on in the story, he said, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> you know, like, and when, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? He's saying, if you don't understand this, how are you going to understand the death and resurrection? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So Jesus does distinguish here that his words are actually spirit. He's speaking metaphorically. He's not saying that we should literally eat him. But but these people couldn't see past that. You know, they couldn't even try to comprehend what he was saying. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who, do, who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So Jesus just lost a bunch of disciples. He still didn't try to explain himself. He said, Whoa, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> he let him go. In fact, let's see what he did next. We've got one more verse we're going through here. And it says, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? 
So he looked at his, he looked at his 12, right? And said, how about you all? There's the door. You know, if, if, if you don't want to follow me, go. Get. <laughs> that, that's where he's at. That's, Jesus was so confident in who he was and who God was. His only mission was to please God. People either had to take his words as truth or walk away. Why do you think this is? I think it has a lot to do with the same reason he spoke in parables, because it separates the tares from the wheat. Okay, because they look the same as they're growing, but you don't know till it's time for harvest. Are you truly committed to Jesus? If we come to him with open hearts, his Holy Spirit will reveal to us these truths that he's speaking. God wants people who are completely sold out to him. He wants people where, you know, our personal relationship with him is the most important. He wants you to love him. He, he loves you, right? That's why we were created, and that's why Jesus was crucified, to restore that relationship. So uh, the second thing is, is to take our place in the body of Christ, right? So we need to be sent out into the world. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we typically call this the fivefold ministry, but it's equipping the saints for their ministry. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, does that mean it's sixfold? I don't know what that means. But... <laughs> But we as the body are called to ministry. Somewhere along the way, all that's been pawned off on the pastors, evangelists, prophets. But we are all called to ministry. Do you know the word pastor is only translated pastor that one time? There's like 17 other times it's translated shepherd. Okay, so if we look at that as a shepherd, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd tends the flock, right? He teaches, he teaches and holds the flock accountable. Does he produce sheep or take care of sheep? He takes care of sheep. So now what do sheep do? Right? They are guided by the shepherd, and they reproduce sheep. Ah, it is the body, you, me, us, that are going to bring people to Christ. Amen? And, and yes, Cade can do that, but his role as pastor is not to bring people to Christ. It's to edify the church that is born-again believer, so that we can function properly and we can bring people to Christ. Mm. And this is why I believe God told him to teach his people to fall in love with the Word, because that's, that's where it all starts. And if we read the next verse in Ephesians, this says, Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Remember when we joked earlier about just trying to, we should still try to be perfect? Well, that's basically what Paul's saying. (laughs) He's saying that we need to live up to the measure of Christ. He's also telling us the reason for these spiritual gifts is to edify us, the body, until we reach maturity in Christ, until we are in complete unity in our faith that we're operating as one body under Jesus. So if we all heard from God Perfectly, like we heard perfectly, we listened perfectly, we did, we acted perfectly. Then the fivefold ministry wouldn't be needed because God would be speaking to each of us. We'd all be hearing and acting exactly as He told us to do, but we are not there, and uh, so we need all these gifts operating so that we can be edified for our ministries. And uh, so you, you might wonder, well, what's our ministry? 
It's the Great Commission. That's what we're all supposed to do. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we are to make disciples of all nations. Remember that Jesus was promised the nations as his inheritance. So this is also why we need Christians in politics. Because your ministry can be accomplished through politics by turning a nation to God. Amen? So we cannot accomplish what God has for us, though, if we're not totally committed to Him. Unless we know His perfect will for our lives, we can't accomplish the great things that He has for us. And this comes through relationship, which is developed through reading the Word daily with an open heart. Because it's also easy to feel guilted or shamed into reading the Bible. You're like, well, I guess I'm supposed to read my Bible, so you read it. But you're not doing it to fall in love with Jesus, so it's just all rolling right off your back. It's, it's not taking root. Or you're just trying to memorize a few verses here and there. But when you're, and when you do stuff like that, really all you're doing is like you're learning about someone, but you're not knowing them. Because how many people in here can tell me about a celebrity? Like you think you know them, you think you know who they are, but you don't truly know them, and they sure the heck don't know who you are. <laughs> so is there a relationship there? There isn't. That's some, sometimes it's how we treat the Word of God, like we're not really reading it to fall in love with Jesus. In fact, let's look at what Jesus says about this. This is Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These people had deceived themselves. It's what says in James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving even yourself. Jesus said he never knew these people, yet they claimed to do all these great things for him. Yes, faith without works is dead, but works without relationship is unprofitable. It is empty religion. What does it say? It's just a no- you're just a noisy gong at that point, right? What do you think? Uh, what do you think one of the rebukes And Revelation, when he's speaking to the churches, is you have forgotten your first love, right? God desires relationship above works. We are called to love him with everything we have. But good works will be a byproduct of that relationship. Matthew 10, 37 says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. No person is supposed to come before Jesus. Jesus is our first love. That is why we were created. So who do you love most on earth? You know, is that your mother, father, brother, sister, cousin, a friend? Who do you like to hang out with? And what does that relationship look like? Okay, picture that that relationship. Do you have that same type of relationship with Jesus? Are you that comfortable with Jesus? Can you come to him with all your problems? How does that feel? Like, That's just a good way to see where's Jesus at on your relationship list, okay? Because we should be more comfortable with him than we are with our favorite person. So, uh, in fact, we should want to spend more time with him than our favorite person. Your favorite activity, whatever you love to do the most, whether it's spending time with someone or doing something, Jesus, you should want to be with Jesus more, right? Mm. (laughs) So I'm asking you today... As I wrap up here, 
How invested are you in the kingdom of heaven? Are you all in? Does Jesus have your everything? You know, God said he would rather you be hot or cold because of your lukewarm, he'll spit you out. So I'm going to leave you here today encouraging you to fall in love with Jesus through his word, right? Because I believe some of us are like that church in Ephesus where they had, uh, they were doing, this church in Ephesus, like they had been doing so many good works. In fact, they were commended for their good works. Like you work hard, you're a hardworking church, thank you. But you have forgotten your first love. That's what he said. That's what I hold against you. You have forgotten your first love. I think that's where we're at. Some of us are today. So don't get wrapped up in your good works and forget about, it's about relationship. Okay. First and foremost, God desires that intimate relationship with you. So read the Bible to fall in love with Jesus, not to learn something so you can have something smart to say, you know, because if you read it to love Jesus, it will embed itself in your heart and you will bear fruit. Okay, can we go ahead and dim the lights down a little bit? Because I want to take these last couple minutes to meditate on these truths. That means I want you to close your eyes and just clear your mind of all the junk from this past week. Just get rid of it. And only focus on these two things. That Jesus loves you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. And that you can get to know him through his word daily. Because he is the word. Just think on those things. That's it.
ask you to just raise your hand up real quick. Even if you're at home online, just put your hand up. Just put action, action to your faith, right? Because if you made this decision today, it's the best decision that you will ever make. Now you just need to get grounded in the Word of God and let Him take you places that you never dreamed of because He will. Amen. You can go ahead and turn the, the lights back up. That's, that's the message that I had for you guys today. But if you're having trouble connecting with the Word of God daily, I just want to encourage you to start small. Even if it's meditating on just those truths like we just did, that He loves you, He wants relationship with you, and that He is the Word, and you can build that relationship there, then do that. Start there, okay? Uh, because it'll eventually sink down and bed itself in your heart, and you will become addicted to the Word of God. I'm telling you, amen? Amen. Good word, man. I was thinking down there, too, whenever he's talking about getting into the word daily. That's a really big book, isn't it? Like, you're like, oh, man, where do I start? And luckily, you had somebody tell you to start in the New Testament, because the Old Testament can be kind of daunting whenever you're new to it. Um, So, yeah, I would do the same thing. If you're like, where do I start? Start in Matthew. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are called the Gospels, and it tells the story of Jesus in four different ways. So read every single one of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're going to get something different out of each one of them. And read it with the intention of when you open your book and you're in Matthew, just be like, Lord, reveal yourself to me. I want to know your way. Show me your way, and he will. And it's the most amazing thing, which I'm really glad that Chris kind of talked. You're kind of like priming my next series, man, which I'm really pumped about. I spent almost all of last year going through the Gospels saying, Jesus, show me your way. And I learned all these things about Jesus that I didn't even know. And I realized that I had the wrong picture of Jesus. I thought he was this really nice guy who tried not to offend people. And when he offended people, he really quickly retracted and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. But he never did that. He was quite rude sometimes. And I'm like, well, Jesus, my goodness. I know, right? But that's his way, and we got to learn, if we want to be effective in ministry and effective in leading people to Christ, then we have to follow the way of Jesus. We have to do it the way that he did it. We can't be these soft, mamby-pamby Christians walking around trying not to offend people, because you're not going to accomplish anything. That's why America is where it's at today. It's because we've been too soft. We haven't taken a stand for the Word of God, and things have to change. And they're going to start here. All right. That's awesome. Well, if you gave your life to Jesus today, we want to take the next step with you. We want to walk with you on that journey, but we can't walk with you if you don't tell us. So uh, we set up an easy way for you to tell us, and you text the word Jesus to our number, 918-373-9883. And let me clarify, you're not texting Jesus, you're texting us. Just texting that word Jesus is a keyword that lets us know that's what it's all about. There was some confusion there uh, a while back, so I realized I probably need to change my keyword, so... Just want to make that clear. The message does not get to Jesus, although he probably does see it, and he probably does know that you did it. (laughs) I tell you guys this all the time. You already know it. I'm going to say it again. Y'all are so generous. And it's really amazing what we're able to accomplish as this small church in Owasso, what we can do in Mexico and the Philippines. It's just really, it really blows my mind. It's amazing. And you know, generosity really is the best investment that you can make with your money because it's the only thing that lasts eternal. Anything else you spend your money on, it's just going to die with you. But if you give, it goes into eternity with you. It's really like investing in what God has going on. And when you invest in God's project, you better know it's going to have a good return. 
I know it is. So never hesitate to be generous because the truth is God will always take care of your personal needs. In case you're worried about that, don't ever let that stop you from giving. Just let that be an indicator of, hmm, I need to stop trying to do this by myself. And I need to step out in faith and rely on God to take care of me so that I can be generous because it's way more fun to be generous, way more fun. And if you're ready to give today and you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand for an offering envelope. One of our awesome ushers will bring that to you. Or of course, you can give online anytime. And how you do that is you type in nolimits.fyi, kind of like nolimits.com, you spit .fyi instead. There's a giving button there. It'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.